This is the Out of Water Podcast. Thanks for checking out our podcast. I'm the guy behind the controls, Mark Lautenschlager. Out of Water is a production of Rio Vista Community Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. You can find Out of Water on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Let's go to our studio now and our host, Pastor Sam Kastensmith. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Out of Water. Uh, today we're going to be continuing our series and the spiritual disciplines, and today we're going to be focusing specifically on fasting. Uh, joining me today is our co-host Drew Brown, who's co-director of student ministries here at Rio Vista Church. Also, Will Bushman, co-director of student ministries here at Rio Vista Church, and Isabel Adams, who is uh, the writer for our personal worship here at the church. If you get our pushes uh, from the app or the website, uh, she is going to be writing those for you. So welcome to the table, everyone. Thank you. It's good to be here. Hello. Uh, This week, Mark is not going to be with us, but he will be returning, so we wish him a good break. Uh, Starting, just jumping in, when we think about the spiritual discipline of fasting, uh, Drew, why is it that this is the forgotten discipline? Why do you think so? Because it's so incredibly hard. I, mm-hmm. This is like an honest, very honest um, response. But I really struggle with fasting to the point that I just don't even think about it. And last week, Sam, you said to me, so we're going to do fasting next Thursday. And you were referring to recording this podcast. And my raw thought was, oh, gosh, we have to fast. <laughs> and then I was immediately convicted, like, wow, that's really telling of where I'm at with fasting and the value that I see in it. So I think it's extremely hard. And I just, if I'm honest, deep down, don't want to do it. I think it's something I don't stumble into. Um, you don't go into fasting just accidentally. You can sometimes stumble into prayer. You can be somewhere where people are praying and you can join in or reading the Bible, because your Bible's out or you get mm-hmm. into it. But fasting, you have to be very particular, very wanting to fast. It's intentional. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, prayer, you're, something happens, and that's your immediate go-to, is I need to mm-hmm. talk to God about this to fix it. Fasting is, like you said, being intentional, getting ahead of it to where you're like, okay, during this particular time, this is what fasting actually means, I am giving this up. Yeah. And so just even, even the way that fasting is defined, where we're giving something up, makes it something that not a lot of people are like, ooh, let me do that. Yeah, I, I get to withhold from myself. Let me <laughs> sign me up. But when you think about fasting, how would, you, how would you say the Bible presents fasting to us as something that's worthwhile and beautiful, not just, hey, with, withhold something from yourself? It's an intentional deprivation to remind us of our need for Christ. Um, one of the you know, biggest examples is sustenance, food. It's one of our most primal and biological needs, mm-hmm. and it's one of the best reminders that when God brings us to the end of ourselves, he's who sustains us. Yeah, I just think even when Jesus says, when you fast, like that's not something that I think about. Like mm-hmm. it never comes into my mind. He just assumes that I am fasting and he shows us how to do it. But it's just crazy that that doesn't even enter into my picture, into my you know foundational life. I just don't want to think yeah. about it. When, when you look at the scriptures, it, it's pretty fun. We look at things like baptism and we say, oh, that's a core of the Christian faith. We, we do it all the time. But if you're reading the scriptures, you'll find that the scriptures mention fasting more than baptism hmm. or even the Lord's communion. Things that we hold as like essential staples of the Christian faith. 
and it's it's mentioning fasting all the time. And yeah. it, and when Jesus lived, for example, they they actually had rules where they were required the Jewish people living in Jerusalem, they were required to fast 2 days a week. And when you get to some of the earliest Christian writings like the Didache, they say uh, that every single Christian was commanded to fast on Wednesdays and Fridays. And the idea behind that, uh, when you pray, what, basically what you're doing when you pray is you're going before the Lord and you're, you're saying, Lord, I'm coming to exalt you, to tell you who you are, how precious you are to me, to, and to comfort myself that I belong to you. And then you express your need. You mm-hmm. know, you're going, you're going to, the, to the Father saying, Lord, I am deficient and I need you to provide something for me. Mm-hmm. Fasting is like the inverse of that. But it's really just as beautiful if you, if you understand it. Because what it is, is it's not, just, it's not just a deprivation for the sake of deprivation. The idea behind the fast is to go to the Lord and say, hey, here's something that's really precious to me. Here's mm-hmm. food, here's technology, here's TV, whatever it is that you're fasting from, and going to him and saying, hey, I'm giving this up as an offering, as a sacrifice to tell you you're worth more. And so where prayer is, hey, God, I need this. Will you please provide it for me? Fasting is going before the Lord and saying, here's something I do have but I'm giving it up because you're worth more. And so what happens is throughout the day, you're thinking, oh, I need to look at my phone. But if you're fasting from your phone or you're fasting from technology, what that reminds you of is... Your need for him. Yeah, your need for him. And so it calls you to prayer. It, it kind of fuels your intimacy and your communion with God. It's another act of surrender. Yeah. In the continuous sanctification. That's why I'm like really excited to talk about this, honestly, because when I had that honest reaction that I told you about at the beginning, it made me more aware of the fact that I have a lot of wrong views about fasting and that I just even thinking on this in the last week and and looking at scripture and then even looking at outside sources, it's really opened my eyes to just how much I've been missing out in fasting and how much... Um, it also reveals, like Sam, you were talking about how it's coming it's coming to God, right? And it's it's depriving ourselves, like you were saying, Isabel, of something um, to remind us of the worth of, of God and to pray intentionally. And I think it's also just convicting too of if if I don't if I don't want to do that, what what am I valuing more? And yeah. I think that's super yeah. convicting, even to the point of like, do I value having my social media more or food more or this more. And totally. it, yeah, it's so convicting. Yeah. And I think part of the reason why he calls us to fast is he knows our weaknesses, right? Mm-hmm. There will be many, many, many times a day where I think, man, I'm hungry. Uh, many, many <laughs> times a day. I found my hand on a box <laughs> of yes. but, but, but there's not, sadly, there's not many times a day where I'm like, man, I need to be with him. I yeah. need to draw near to How the Lord. Convicting. And so, yeah, really. So that fasting is one, it is going to the Lord and saying, here, I want to show you that you're worth more than this, which I'm giving up. But it's also something to say, and I'm so weak in my relationship with you. It's an honesty that says, I need something that's going to provoke my thoughts to center on you. Hmm. Yeah, I think my idols become so subdued in my life because they're so natural to me and fasting it's a big, you know, pointing out yeah. my idols like, yeah. oh, no, well, you can't give that up for 24 hours. So that's like a huge one where idols become so invisible to me because I'm so used to turning to them and running to them and loving them more than Jesus that when fasting enters the picture, that's why I'm like, I want out. 
I don't want to be pointed out of my sin. I don't want the idol factory to be chosen and shown all yeah. the products. But it's amazing how unconsciously dependent or subconsciously, not unconsciously, that would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> but subconsciously dependent we are on these things. We were talking with somebody who works on the staff of our church who is trying to give up their phone and they, you know, they check their phone at every red light is their habit, not while they're driving, but at every red light. So they're probably the one that you honk at when it turns green and they're not paying attention. But, but they were trying to give it up. And they said that they caught their phone in their hand multiple times, not realizing how it got there. Just instinctively, they pulled it up. Well, imagine if your walk with the Lord, your prayer life, your sense of his nearness, your awareness that he walks with you. Imagine if it was that impulsive. That natural. That, yeah, yeah, natural. Uh, and, and the same way that we do some of these other things. So here's, here's just throwing out food for thought. What are some of the ways that we can fast? Food is the obvious one. Like even, even the word breakfast that, that we eat every morning, it's break mm-hmm. fast. Ooh. That's where that word comes from. You know, you've slept all night, you haven't eaten, huh. you're breaking your fast, breakfast. And so that, we always associate fasting with food. And in yeah. the Bible, it's largely food. What else do you think would be a good idea to fast from i think less tangible things like gossip complaining um dwelling on what we don't have yeah yeah Ooh, complaining. I, I remember complaining <laughs> we had a really wonderful first grade teacher whose name was katie coleman who taught at the school uh that the bethany christian school and she told me that she was fasting from complaining one time, and I was like, "What a that's a bizarre thing!" Like, well, why? why? I've but never you know what she that. said. She said, "Try it." And so I spent the day in my mind and in my heart yes. thinking, "Okay, I'm not going to complain." And I realized, "Holy cow, I complain!" Well, a think lot. about how much we <laughs> bond over the things that we mutually hate, mm. and we mm. complain about things, and that's how we, you know, we make friends. And oh. They hate the same things I hate. We'll definitely get along rather yeah. than... We have an entire yeah. political Which system crazy. built on that idea. Rather than saying, yeah. like, this is what I'm grateful for. This is what I'm excited about. This is what I'm mm. feeling, I'm finding joy in. Yeah. And that is what brings glory to God. Yeah, what about... How about you, Drew? I've um, fasted from like Instagram, which is, yeah, the gram. So it's one of the social media platforms that I'm on more often than most. And it's one of those things, kind of like the guy you talked about on staff with us, that I can find myself mindlessly scrolling on Instagram and having to consciously fast from that really honestly has forced me to be prayerful because I catch, I realize how many times I just instinctively go to open Instagram without even realizing it. And it does, this is horrible, but if you look at even like the amounts of hours that I personally have spent on Instagram in a week at a time, it's like, oh gosh, it's convicting because I mean, honestly, it could be hours. And so thinking of all of that time and those, those moments where I have the urge to go look as like opportunities to pray specifically, that's been really helpful for me. I love cable, like basic cable. I still pay a lot of money to get it. Um, And one of the things I love about cable is I don't have to think about it. I don't want to choose what I want to watch. I just want to watch mindlessly just something to keep my attention. And that's that's not good. Yeah, There's no purpose in that. We call it mental mashed potatoes in my house where it's just something to subdue your brain Mm -hmm. and to distract you from having to really think about your day or what's coming at you. And there will be times where in our house... 
We'll have a podcast playing. We'll have the TV on. The kids are going bananas. There's a conversation <laughs> happening. And all of a sudden, you catch yourself, and you're like, how out of control are so we? So overstimulated. <laughs> so overstimulated. It's unbelievable. So in our church right now, we're actually going through a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount, which is the greatest sermon ever preached. And when you get into Matthew 6, Jesus kind of turns his focus, and, and he, he begins to say, you know, when you do kind things, when you're charitable, you know, don't do it for the world to see. He talks about, you know, when you pray, don't go out on the street corner so that everybody sees you. And one of his comments when he's in that section is on fasting. And I want you, I want to just read it out loud. It's Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. Uh, Jesus says this, when you fast, which just stop right there, when you fast. So what is, that's, that's an expectation. That is, that's essentially a command. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. So they would rub ash on their face to make their face look sunken as though they were starving to death or something. Um, and we do that too. We may not take ash and put it on our face so that everybody knows that we're fasting, but we go around talking about how I'll hard it is. I'll tell you when I'm fasting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, is, that's not good. We all do this, but that's not, he says, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So if you're fasting... You know, it's not for you to go around saying, oh, this is so hard. I'm drawing near to the Lord. Look at me do all this stuff. Uh, Jesus is saying, like, if you're doing it for the audience of men, you know, appreciate their applause and appreciate their nods because you've had your reward in full. He says, when you fast, put oil on your head. Like, what, is, what does that mean? Well, in the, in the ancient world, that was a sign of, of blessing. Like, this is a wonderful thing for me to do. Like, you anointed a king when he was becoming king. You anointed someone that was just installed in some new high office. So the idea is, put oil on your head. Like, this is a privilege that you get to do. Wash your face. In other words, don't let anyone else know that you're going through some deprivation so that it won't be obvious to others when you're fasting, but only to your Father in heaven who is unseen, and your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And so in that is hidden this idea that when you fast and you do it for an audience of one, the Father sees that. And it's the promise of of Jesus himself that says he will reward you. I think that gets to a lot of the heart issues um, behind me, that whole reward thing. Like when I get the applause of men, I mean, I like it. I mean, it's good, but like that's it. That's all I get. And sometimes, which is the hard part is that's filling for me, which is convicting. Hmm. Like that's all I want sometimes. Hmm. So it shows me that I'm actually desiring far less than God is willing to offer me. I'm looking to just casually be filled and I'm okay with that, which shows me, man, I, my heart needs this, this fasting idea, this fasting privilege. I read an article this week that was talking about fasting and it said that uh, fasting is a physical investment in spiritual battles. And it said we can give mm, our money like or our time to the local church, and so we ought to. But fasting is giving ourselves in a silent and measurable way. Yeah. And I love that idea of like it is this, it's an investment spiritually, and it's often silent and immeasurable. And mm. so those other things, like you said, generosity and service, those are necessary and they're good. But fasting, I think, like what you were saying, Will, is I can depreciate it maybe without realizing it in my mind, but it's this powerful spiritual tool that God has given to us, and he invites us to be a part of it. And Mm so I think reading and talking about fasting this week, I've just realized that I have missed out on the, the spiritual force that fasting is, really. 
like we were talking about other, we see it as, as this obligation or deprivation, but there's a great line by John Piper, who is a pastor up in Minnesota, and he says this, which kind of catches you off guard. He says, fasting is a feast. It's not a giving up of food for its own sake. No one engages in secret fasting in the presence of God alone with a spirit of levity or trifling. There will be strong, earnest, serious longings in the soul. Secret fasting makes you real with God. It's just for God, and it tests the authenticity of your hunger for His Spirit. And so when we think about fasting, one of the, thing, one of the ways that we need to kind of readjust the way that we see fasting is that we don't fast just to exercise a discipline, just to do something. The idea of it, and if, you're, and if we're not doing this, we've, we've missed the whole point of it, as we're supposed to be replacing whatever we've laid aside mm-hmm. with him. And there's, he is going to be so much more fulfilling and nourishing time with him, realizing his, you know, his intimacy, his love, the fact that he sings over us. That is going to be so much more satisfying than a snack or Instagram or cable TV. Like all of these things that we mindlessly kind of give ourselves you know, to, to entertain ourselves um, or to satisfy our, our, our hearts for a moment. When we feast on the Lord, we walk away from it so much more satisfied. One of my favorite examples of this um, comes in the story of the woman at the well, which most people are familiar with. It's, it's in John 4. Um, and so it, Jesus is out in Samaria and his disciples have gone off to get food and he comes across this woman who comes at midday to the well. And so because she comes at noon, most people think that she's there to try to avoid being around other people because she's got a shameful past. She's carrying all these burdens and, and secrets maybe uh, that she doesn't want to be around anyone else. And so Jesus comes up to her and they have this conversation. And it's really interesting what happens. He, he says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, because he's met her at a well, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, talking about the water from the well. But he says, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And I love where the story goes right after that says, so this woman finds the Messiah. Jesus shows her incredible dignity. He says, you're exactly, he builds her up. He tells her, you're exactly the kind of worshiper that God the Father is looking for. She'd never heard anything like that. She lived in shame and loneliness and he comes to her and, and first century, for a, for a rabbi to be speaking one-on-one with a woman was scandalous enough, but not to mention a Samaritan woman who they were even more hated. And he's showing her compassion and saying, you're exactly who God the Father wants, and you're going to worship him in spirit and truth. And he shows compassion on her, and he confronts her in the fact that she has had five husbands, and the one that she's with now is not her own He unveils what had made her so ashamed, but it doesn't crush her. It liberates her. She's she's in awe that Jesus is showing her dignity. And listen to what it says afterward. The woman left her water jar and went away into the town. Why was she at the well? She went to the well to get water, water, right? And yet she is so overwhelmed by her time with Jesus that she walks away and had completely forgotten about her water jar. Mm-hmm. That's the goal of fasting. Wow. 
the goal of fasting is to say, you know, I, I'm doing my ordinary life, I'm going through the motions, but I'm having an encounter with Jesus that is so profound that all of a sudden the water jar doesn't seem so important. That's really cool. I haven't thought about it like that. And, and so she runs back into town, and she's telling everybody. She's been hiding from all these people. She runs back into town and says, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. She's not ashamed of it anymore. Now it's the trophy of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. He's, and they say, can this, can this, she says, Can this be the Christ? And they went out of town and were coming to him. And meanwhile, so now there's this separate conversation going on between the disciples and Jesus. She's run back into town. And listen to what happens. It says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Well, here we go again, this idea of consuming, drinking and eating. But he said, I have food to eat that you do not know about. What do you suppose that is? So the disciples said, Has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And so you have her that runs back into town and totally forgets her water jar because she's satisfied in her soul. And then you have him, and what is he saying? There's a greater food that you don't yet know about. What is that? It's time with the Father. It's doing his will. That is what we're after when we fast. We want to be able to draw so near to him that the things that we're giving up look petty by comparison. Hmm. So have you ever, have you, let me ask, let me open this question up. Have you ever been in a season where it seemed like God was taking something away from you that initially you really grieved over and you thought, man, I, I just don't know how I'm going to, I don't know how I'm going to do without this. And in the middle of that, when you're thinking, how could this get any worse? He shows you that he is far sweeter. And in fact, losing the other things and drawing you closer to him ended up being far more precious than anything you lost. I, I know for me, I remember when I first quit my job in financial advising, and I left, I left my hometown, didn't get the job I wanted. I thought, oh, no, I've made a mess of myself. I ended up working for Sherwin-Williams for a season, carrying five-gallon paint buckets in West Palm, and thinking, what, what have I done? You know, I, I, wanted, I had this dream for my life, and all of it's been taken, and I, had, I was moving down. I was living in Stewart at the time. And the only thing I had, and all my friends were gone, my money was gone, and the only thing I had were evenings just to spend with him. And I will tell you, you know, that's now, whatever, 15 years ago, I will tell you that's one of the sweetest seasons of my life because he's all I had. And it, what that time showed me is he's more precious than everything I gave up. And it was such a wonderful time. Have you, have you experienced anything like that? Yeah, when I, there was a time in college, I think I talked about it before on this podcast, actually, but I studied abroad. And when I was there, although I, I mean, I willingly chose to go there, I wanted to be there. It was one of the more difficult things I've gone through because I had never experienced a depth of loneliness to that extent. And I just realized like I was an ocean away from anyone that I knew and that knew me. And it was in, in addition to, there were some really hard aspects of, um, just being there and being young and trying to figure out how to how to live in this new place, but it was in that season that for the first time I had been following Christ and walking with Him, but it, I was forced to depend on Him during that season in a way that I truly never had because I had been stripped of all of my comforts, even in friendships. So I had, I really did have no friends. It's like involuntary fasting. Yeah. (laughs) And I had to really learn to depend and delight in the presence of the Lord. And Mm. it, although difficult at many moments, 
I look back on as one of the sweetest times because it made me more confident in the presence of God in my life than I had ever been before. And I came back from that experience just hungry to continue to depend on him that way here as I had there. It's awesome. Seems to be a theme because uh, my first year of college was awful. I went to uh, <laughs> I went to North Carolina and I had no friends and I would uh, Instagram really sad things and make people call me so I could talk <laughs> oh to someone. Uh, Carter Brown reached out a lot. Shout out Carter. Um, but it was one of those things, like you said, the involuntary yeah. fat. Like I didn't realize how much. I mean, community is a good thing. Friendships a good thing. But even good things became God things to me. And the, mm-hmm. the safety and security that I got from my friends, from my community, from my family, mm-hmm. obviously usurped God in some way or another. Because when those things got taken away, it's like the world got taken away from me. Mm-hmm. And like the same with Drew. Like, man, when all you got is God, it, it, it turns out you do turn mm-hmm. to him. And it was this, this growing thing yeah. of being angry, but then being, okay, God, you have me here. So do something. And he did. I think so often when we are not obedient in fasting and in laying down those things and surrendering and realizing that he is better than the world's best thing, he does take away. And we see it over and over in the scripture. But he's saying, I love you and I need to get you away from everything that is pulling you from me. And it's going to be really uncomfortable. And like, that's the thing. We're starving out sin. We're starving out those things that steal our affections Mm. from Christ. And sometimes Mm. that is so lonely and so, I mean, for lack of a better word, uncomfortable. Mm. But sometimes that's a gross understatement. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes it is just gut-wrenching. Yeah. Yeah, and I think for people that that are listening, you know, Around this table, it's it's a for sure thing. But for people who who are listening right now, I would, you would say, you know, the time that I was the closest with the Lord, mm. I would bet nine times out of ten, if we went out and polled everybody, the times that you're closest with the Lord are when things seem to be falling apart. Oh, definitely. When when you realize that nothing else you can stand on is solid, and you're looking for a solid rock to stand on, and you cling to the Lord. You know, fasting is one of the ways, and we know that by wisdom, that's just the way it is, um, that when we only have the Lord, He becomes precious to us. And fasting is taking that wisdom of knowing that He becomes precious when we're without other things, and even when we're in the times of plenty, to say, I'm going to set this aside so that I have a reason to draw near to Him, something to provoke me to draw near to Him, even when things are good, recognizing that that's, that's really who we are. And it's not just, you know, fasting and the way that the scripture puts it is not just selfish. Like when you fast, so like, for example, to take yours, Will, you know, when, when you're talking about, okay, fasting from TV and just giving yourself mental mashed potatoes, um, to use that time that you're sparing from not doing that to do something that's to draw near to the Lord, to do kingdom purposes, to reach out to other people who might be in their freshman year in college and lonely, you know, and, and to... Use it for kingdom purposes. God in Isaiah 58 says this. um, The people are complaining. They say, why have we fasted and you do not see it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? They're complaining to God because they've been fasting and they feel like they're entitled to a reward. And this is the response. Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. Fasting like yours, this day will not make your voice be heard on high. Then he goes on and says, this is the kind of fasting I want. This is Isaiah 58, verses 6 and 7. He says, is not this the fast I choose? 
to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? And so one of the things that was really amazing from this, like the whole purpose of fasting is not just, oh, you know, this is entirely personal. It's, mm-hmm. it's, di- it's divorced from everybody else. You know, it's just for me. And the early church, one of the things that I love is the early church would fast for the purpose of taking care of the poor. Mm-hmm. So if they knew that someone was hungry, if they knew that there were those out there that were going without, they'd fast. Mm-hmm. But they would still cook the meal. And then they would take the meal that they were fasting from and they would deliver it to poor people. Which is amazing. So Aristides of Athens mm. writes this. He says, if there's any among them, now he's writing this in the second century, if there's any among them that is poor and needy, and if they have no spare food, they fast for two or three days in order to supply the needy their lack of food. Or Origen, who writes in the third century, let the poor man be provided with food from the self-denial of him who fasts. And so we don't just fast to draw near to the Lord. That's a huge part of it, right? To, to feel the intimacy. But then in that intimacy, he calls us to then use our fast to take care of those he loves, mm. to take our food, to take our time, to, to reach out and build people up. And that's just an awesome thing that we don't think of when we fast. But in the early church, that was absolutely their motive. And according to the prophet Isaiah, when God speaks through him, that's what the Lord wants from our fasting. Yeah, it's powerful. I literally wrote when I read that quote that I had, I wrote, I literally never thought of that, which is, <laughs> is convicting. Like I would have never even thought of myself fasting from a meal to then care for someone mm-hmm. else and that need physically. But then even like you're saying, Sam, of spiritually fasting for the love and care of other people, like yeah. that is even in fasting, I can make it about me, which again, can be a good thing to pray about something between me and the Lord or things I'm decisions I'm wrestling through with the Lord or sins I'm repenting of whatever, but also this element of fasting for other people and using that time intentionally to pray is huge. And I know something this week I've been really thinking about is how I think that somewhere um, along the way I've, I've lost the expectancy of, um, expectantly looking and like waiting on God to move and, mm-hmm. and praying in a way that shows that I'm expectant. Mm-hmm. And so even in talking about all of this, I think it's also really beautiful to just think about that fasting isn't just this discipline, like you said, that we just do it because scripture says to do it, but it also does place me in this position of expectancy and longing for mm-hmm. God to do what only God can do which also is really beautiful and it helps me step outside of my little box of, I just do these things, but it's, it's, it's an intimacy. Reminder. Yeah. Like going deeper into my relationship with Christ in that way as well. Yeah. Along with Drew, I mean, we were just like, she was talking about expectancy. We were talking with our high school core group and we were asking, Hey, how are you guys doing spiritually? And we were taking prayer requests and Drew and I also shared ours and hers was about that expectancy. And mine was like, I think I can go deeper with God. I'm not accessing something that mm. God wants something from me and for me even. And then dang fasting popped up. And it's like, man, <laughs> yeah, I mean, prayer works, I guess. But now, now fasting has to enter into my picture. Cause it's that tool that he's saying, Hey, will you love the stuff you can see? You love the stuff you can touch. And that's kind of edging me out. And I want back into this thing. And fasting is that tool 
Yeah, my wife has been fasting every Wednesday going back for several weeks now. And one of the things we just recently talked about, she said, without getting specific, because I think most of her prayer requests about her fasting are probably about me, but... (laughs) (laughs) You need it. Yeah, right. (laughs) True. Uh, But anyway, she came to me and she said, you know, I've been doing this, I want to say, seven weeks now, every Wednesday fasting. And she's like, every Wednesday. It really is. It's hard. Like, I, I'm not a fan of fasting, I, I, but I will say that it does remind me to pray, and every single one of these requests that I've brought before the Lord in fasting, He's been faithful to answer, and it's been amazing to watch, and it's making her more expectant of what God's going to do. But And I think that's kind of a helpful thing, even going off of what Laura's example, is that's a discipline that she's chosen to commit to, though, mm-hmm. because not just for the sake of committing to a discipline, but because she is confident that God will move through that discipline mm-hmm. and that he'll meet her in it. And I was reading a different article on um, Gospel Coalition this week, and this guy said that fasting has to be a discipline, otherwise it is a blessing we'll never experience. Mm-hmm. And so even in that, too, it's... Do, firstly, do I see it as a blessing? And also, have I? if I do, then how am I going to discipline myself to get to experience it? Because yeah. otherwise, I know in my life, I've been missing out on the blessing of fasting. When I got married to Laura, one of the most surprising and hard things for both of us was not, like, we're excited to give to each other. Like, that's, that's the easy part. We love to give and express generosity. The hard part about marriage was in those first months realizing Laura can't sleep with the TV on or the fan on, or Laura <laughs> likes to go to bed at 10 and I like to go to bed at 1 o'clock in the morning. Or, you know, and there were things, not all of them, but there were <laughs> things that I had to give up to express my love for her. And the same is true of God. Like, your love for God is expressed in things that you give up. It's not, it's not just it's walking away from, from things like sin and that are obvious that God is calling you from but sometimes God calls you to walk away from something that's precious, that's not necessarily sin, mm. to express your love for him. And in doing so, the intimacy that builds between you is really rich, the same way it would be in your relationships with a, a fellow person. Jesus says, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends, right? There's this idea, when you deny yourself for someone else, there's no greater expression of love to fast in some measures, to do exactly that. You're, you're laying down your desires for the sake of showing love for Christ. Yeah, I've never thought of that. Yeah, I do see love as mostly giving, not what can I not give, or what can I give up and, and not give to them. Yeah. Uh, wow, that's good. Yeah, I think it's also interesting in Scripture how you see communities fast together mm-hmm. and how when I'm even thinking of like the story of Esther and before yes, she decides yes. to go to the king, she asks her people to fast with her for three days. And so it was also something that they, as a body of people, of believers, that they did together in like in unity. Why, why can't I say that word around? It's a, something that they did together as... In unity? In, unity. in unification? Is that a... Just unity. Why? Yeah, we'll go with unity. that. We'll go with that. It sounds like, sure. it's not, you know when a word sounds wrong? It sounds wrong <laughs> right now. But they did it together. Unification meant... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think that that too is something, even talking about this with you guys, I don't talk about fasting in my day-to-day life with literally anybody. Mm -hmm. And so it's definitely not something, it's something I struggle to do personally one-on-one and scripture does call us to do that one-on-one with the Lord and for no one to know, not, we're not supposed to go off flaunting it. But I do think that, 
there is, it's interesting to me that there's times that the people of God would fast together. So actually this week, one of our coworkers was telling us how growing up in her church, they would fast together as a church for people in their church who were ill and who needed um, healing. And they would fast together when they were making decisions. And there was just, I don't know, it made me realize that there's this uh, power in fasting as a body that I personally haven't experienced. Mm. And I, I think maybe a tangible step towards that for me this week, I was thinking was just even talking to my friends who I know are following Jesus. Like, Hey, what, what is your experience with fasting? Maybe in my, even with my community group this week and saying like, what do you think about fasting? Have, what's your experience? What has God taught you through it? And just even exploring that more because I'm realizing that it just, it's kind of like the forgotten, not talked about discipline in my world, at least. Totally. I think that's pretty universal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, especially for the Western church. So if you had to, to put a bow on this, why would somebody who's listening to this go, you know what, I'm, I'm not just going to kind of fast forward through this message and forget about it. This is really <laughs> why I want to leave here and commit to making this a discipline in my life. What would you say is the, the greatest reason for that? Sanctification and bringing us closer to God and the reminder that we need him. I think about when my kids were really little. Well, my kids are still really little. But when they were really little and I had a newborn and I had a two-year-old and there was lots of crying and lots of chaos and I would keep my Bible open on my kitchen counter. So around three o'clock when I was losing my mind, (laughs) I would see my Bible on the counter and I would just like, I would turn on Daniel Tiger, I'd put the baby on in my carrier, and I would just take like 10 minutes to read my Bible. And it was just this constant reminder in the middle of the chaos. And I think that's what fasting is. It's to draw us closer. It's to remove distractions. It's good. Make us more like him. Yeah, just to go on that. There's not tons of spiritual disciplines. I just think if I just forget about fasting completely as a tool that Jesus gave me to draw closer and to draw near to him, um, to resolve sin in my life, then I would just kind of be dumb about it. Like, this is something that Jesus has given us for our good and for his good. Um, and so I'm just thinking, man, I can't forget about that kind of stuff. There's, there's things that are concrete in my life that he says, and this he also says that needs to be concrete. Yeah, it's a way that I get to experience um, intimacy with Christ in a really profound way. And so I think if you're listening, you're wondering why, I think all of us are kind of wrestling with that. We're all in the same boat here, but I, I just keep, honestly, talking about this is getting me excited to want to learn more and take deeper steps into this uh, with Christ personally, because I think there's an expectancy of getting to be a part of how God is going to use fasting and prayer Um, in my life that I'm excited to get to see. And I know it's going to be hard. I think that's kind of like, even in talking about this, it's like the expectation is it won't always be pleasant in it, but that's okay. Like there's in that cost, there's a, um, there's a satisfaction and just an overwhelming sense of intimacy with Christ that makes the cost worth that, you know? And so I think it's worth it to see God move in really powerful ways. One of the people who is the impetus for this series uh, is Pastor Andrew Murray, who lived quite a while back. I'll close out this episode with his words. I love this quote from his book. He says, Prayer 
is reaching out after the unseen. Fasting is letting go of all that is seen and temporal. Fasting helps express, it deepens, and it confirms the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything, even ourselves, to attain what we seek for, the kingdom of God. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Out of Water Podcast. We've loved getting to talk about fasting, and we hope it left you encouraged to talk about this more with your friends and your family. And we'll catch you next week on Out of Water. We hope you enjoyed your time with us, and you will both subscribe to the podcast and listen regularly. You can find out more about Out of Water, catch up on past episodes, and access show notes at our website, riovistachurch.com slash outofwater.com.